Looking for a fun way to win up to 25 times your money this basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com slash get100 and use code get100. That's code get100 at prizepicks.com slash get100 for a first deposit matchup to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. This is the American Veteran Show. Proud to finally say these two words. Welcome home. Dedicated to those who have worn the uniform. Tremendous national asset. Dedicated to our active duty men and women. They came not as conquerors, but as liberators. Dedicated to presenting issues, topics, and interviews highlighting their commitment to our country. I want to thank the courageous men and women who've served their country in uniform. Less than 1% of the population of our country chooses to serve our country in the military. And the other 99% of us, we owe them. Online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. Here's Stephan Tubbs. Welcome to this week's edition of the American Veteran Show. Thank you so much for making us a part of your December Sunday afternoon. Of course, coming up this week, we remember the 81st anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor. We'll discuss that a little bit as we go to our first break. Coming up in our next couple of segments, we will talk with the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs, an Army Iraq veteran. His name is Terrence Hayes. Look forward to hearing from him, and hopefully you'll stick with with us all the way through today's program. We could not put this together without our presenting sponsor, Attorney John Boson at Boson Law, B-O-E-S-E-N Law, BosonLaw.com, fighting on behalf of veterans every single day. And you've seen the television commercials, you've heard, no doubt, radio spots as well, all about Camp Lejeune. If you have been there and you possibly have litigation ahead, we will be happy to connect you with Attorney John Boson. Give them a call, 303-999-9999. Also, in our next couple of segments, we will talk about the PACT Act with the VA as well as Camp Lejeune issues. But we begin with the loss of the second-to-last living Medal of Honor recipient from the Korean War. His name was Hershey Miyamura. Hiroshi Hershey Miyamura, an amazing man from New Mexico, who I had a chance to meet a couple of times. Rest in peace, sir. You will forever remain a hero. I uh, tried to enlist in the service, and we were told that uh, we could not. We were classified as four Cs, which was enemy alien at that time. And a lot of these uh, Japanese-American boys were interned in these camps throughout the country, but many of them volunteered for service. I felt I was an American like anyone else. Well, they said, no, you have to prove yourself because uh, you're at war with the Japanese and that's our ancestry. You have to prove that we're loyal to this country. 
Early in 1944, 18-year-old Hiroshi Miyamura was assigned to the Nisei 442nd Regimental Combat Team, which would gain fame as the most decorated American unit in the war. He shipped out to Europe just as World War II ended, but he would not see combat until 1950, when his unit was called to active duty in Korea. When we landed in North Korea, it was winter in November. It was the coldest I've ever been in my life. Never received the food that we needed, let alone have the proper clothing or anything like that. Miserable. It was a miserable time. We made our way up to the eastern side of North Korea, near the Chosen Reservoir. In fact, we were so close to the Yellow River, we could, uh, from my position, I could see the enemy massed on the north side of the Yellow River. After the Chinese army moved in, we were told to pull back to the south of the Emchen River. And I, was being the machine gun squad leader, was told to hold this position as long as I could because we knew we were outnumbered so bad that it would be impossible to hold it. As night fell, Miyamura and his handful of men sat listening to the approaching sound of Chinese troops banging on pots and pans and blowing whistles. When the noise suddenly stopped, there came a burst of flares, followed by a massive attack. Miyamura and his group opened up with 30 caliber machine gun fire, as waves of communist soldiers stormed their position. When the enemy threatened to overwhelm his group, Miyamura rose from his machine gun and charged them, killing ten by bayonet and rifle fire. He then returned to his gun, and when it jammed, he manned the last working gun and told his men he would cover their retreat. I realized they were getting behind my position, so I told the members of my squad to withdraw. I covered their withdrawal. State had covered their withdrawal. Our own artillery started falling on my position, phosphorus bombs. So I realized then they thought everyone was off of the mountain. So I started making my way down. And I ran into an enemy. I bayoneted him, and he had a grenade, and he threw it at me, and I kicked it back, and it went off. I didn't realize then I was hurt, but I made my way down the mountain which was uh, quite a mountain. But by the time I got down to the base of the mountain, I ran into a barbed wire entanglement, got cut up. I dropped to my knees, I crawled underneath it. I ran until I just dropped. And I laid there, I heard footsteps, a lot of footsteps go right by my position. But I didn't move, and when it died down, I thought I had it made. But a voice in English said, to get up, you're my prisoner. Miyamura was led, along with his comrades, on a brutal forced march through the withering temperatures and unforgiving terrain of North Korea. The bitter, month-long journey led to a POW camp, where he was to be held captive for the next 27 months. When the peace talk started, the Chinese said we were going to go home. But that went on for two years. My wife wasn't even notified. She just got a letter that I was missing in action. That's because the Communist Army would not release names. 
In the summer of 1953, Miyamura was turned over to U.S. authorities at Freedom Village in Panmunjom. He was debriefed and then led out to meet the press, where Brigadier General Ralph Osborne hailed him as the greatest VIP to pass through Freedom Village. But Miyamura had yet to discover why. I crossed over to our side, and there was a reporter waiting for me to talk to me. And when I walked in that room, the commanding general of my division was standing at a table. And he said, uh, do you know why you're here? And I said, no. He said, you had received the Medal of Honor. I remember all I could say was, what? Until I saw that flag, the star-spangled banner, waving in the breeze that I know. I've learned what it represents. That alone is what makes you feel so humble. So many the fellows that are were deserving never came home to any kind of recognition. There are so many Americans that do not know what the medal represents or what any soldier or service woman or man does for his country. And I believe that one of these days, I hope one of these days, they will learn of the sacrifices that a lot of these men and women have made for this country. Hershey passed away last week. He was 98. We'll hear more from him and remember, pay respects as we wrap up today's program. Also, this past week, we would be remiss if we did not mention the 158th anniversary of the Sand Creek Massacre here in Colorado. The National Park Service put it in its system with the title Sand Creek Massacre Site. That came about in 2007. And may we always, always strive to learn from our mistakes, both small, medium, large, and in this case, extraordinary. We go to the break with no doubt something that a few of you would say was in your vocabulary, within the walls of your home, maybe at the kitchen table, 81 years since the attack on Pearl Harbor, December 7th, 1941, as we get ready for that 81st anniversary. We're back with the press secretary for the Department of Military Affairs. That is coming up. But we remember Pearl Harbor. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. History in every century records an act that lives forevermore. We'll recall, as into line we fall, a thing that happened on Hawaii shore. Let's remember Pearl Harbor as we go to meet the foe. Let's remember Pearl Harbor. As we get the Alamo, we will always remember how they died for liberty. Let's remember Pearl Harbor and go on to victory. Now, back to the American Veteran Show. Here's Stephen Tubbs. Back here on the American Veteran Show as we are days from the 81st anniversary of the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor. We remember Pearl Harbor. 
We have the chance now to talk with Mr. Terrence Hayes. He is the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs and hope to have him on as we get into our seventh season next year, which is amazingly right, next month. Talk to us a little bit, Terrence, if you would, about your military career. Yes, Stefan. I served in the United States Army for 20 years. I I joined uh, out of Jacksonville, Florida, which is my home, in uh, 1996, and I was able to retire from the Army in 2016 and here in lovely D.C. out of the Pentagon. Uh, I deployed to Iraq from December of 2006 to March of 2008, so had a lovely vacation time there (laughs) during a very interesting and uh, a very kind of kind of curious time in, in that nation's history as we were uh, kind of uh, taking on, you know, operations there in Iraq. So uh, did a did a wonderful or had a wonderful career. Uh, owe a lot of it to us, the men and women that I was able to serve alongside of. And now it's uh, affording me the opportunity to continue my service here now at the Department of Veterans Affairs. Terrence, we are in your debt. You made the sacrifice 20 years, and uh, we we are forever in your debt, men and women like you, both both recently retired and, and those that go back throughout our great country's history. Terrence Hayes is a spokesman, the spokesman for the Department of, of Veterans Affairs. You know, you, you bring up, you said uh, you started in Iraq in, in December 2006. I was embedded as a reporter in, uh, in Taji in March uh, and into April of 2006, and you know wow. what? I I never, uh, as a journalist, would ever say, "Well, you know what?" There for Mr. Hayes, I know exactly what you went through. No, I just got a taste of it. But it is amazing to me. It seems like a lifetime ago. My embed. What about your time deployed to Iraq? Does that seem like almost another life ago? Stefan, uh, first of all, hey, thank you for your time coming to the country of Iraq and and covering boots on the ground, covering the stories of the men and women. Uh, you know, doing some amazing things it was my honor. in defense of our of our freedom in our country. So thank you for that. Sir. Yes, but sir. yeah, it, it, it does seem like a uh, a long time ago, to be quite honest with you. Uh, but w- when it catches up to me is when I'm able to, you know, link up with some of my battle buddies who I served with in Iraq. You know, when I'm able to reach out to them, whether that's via phone or social media, or there's a couple of them who actually reside here in D.C. that I'm able to meet with for lunch or or dinner occasionally. So we're able to catch up, you know, tell some stories, kind of remember the good old days where things were kind of simple back then, because all you had to do was focus on the mission and your, your battle buddy on your left and right. But, uh, but again, it does feel like a lifetime ago, but I, to be perfectly honest with you, I would not trade that experience for the world of uh, serving my country because my country has served me so well. I know in our visit, we're going to talk about the PACT Act, which we've talked about mm-hmm. on the American Veterans Show uh, extensively. And I know that that, uh, well, for many, it's um, sadly too late because they've died of, of cancers from burn pits, et cetera. Right. But I guess to get a, a kind of a, a picture of what what you went through on the ground, did you experience, you know, the acrid air, the burn pits nearby? What was your personal experience? Yeah, that's a great question, Stefan. It's, it's crazy because uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I actually conducted what's called a, a toxic exposure screening wow. uh, with my primary care physician. Uh, I actually conducted that prior to the day prior to uh, our veterans receiving that when they visited their docs, because uh, one, I wanted and I actually brought the press in to see that mm-hmm. is actually wanted our veterans to experience 
what they would see firsthand when they went and visited their docks for the very first time uh, once that hit and and were receiving these brand new questions and, and why they were receiving them and what it could potentially lead to. So uh, to answer your question, I, I did uh, come in contact with various different toxics uh, during my 15 months of deployment to Iraq. And, uh, and that's why I was able to uh, address those questions in that, in that toxic exposure screening. And, and it's led to some follow-ups that I need to do uh, at the VA. And, uh, and I'm actually glad that the VA now offers this screening. And the screening is, is going to be offered uh, once every five years. But just because it's offered once every five years does not mean the conversation ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a constant conversation each time that you meet with your doc. Your doc is going to continue to ask you further questions on anything you may be dealing with or, or ailed with. So, again, I think this is a wonderful tool that's going to help many, many, many veterans who potentially have been exposed to toxics receive the care and the benefits that they've earned. We're talking with the Department of Veterans Affairs Press Secretary Terrence Hayes. You know, I already like you because I can tell you shoot straight from the hip. And I've got to say that you've got some veterans, no doubt, listening to you right now, that when I say Mm -hmm. the Department of Veterans Affairs and VA health, they go, nope, nope. The VA gets mm-hmm. a bad rap. I know that there have been cases that have most certainly fallen through the cracks. There's been controversy and ridiculous stuff out of the, for example, the state of Arizona. But I think we've turned mm-hmm. the page. Do you agree? Yes, Stefan. Uh, first, uh, I have to to acknowledge that you know VA has had some missteps with our veterans, you know, throughout the years. Yep. And uh, and that's and I want veterans out there who where VA may have failed them in the past to to know that we understand that. We acknowledge that and we are listening to correct those issues. So when you come and give us a shot again, that your experience moving forward will meet your needs and actually exceed your expectations. So that's the first thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yes, uh, since President Biden came on board and Secretary McDonough uh, assumed the position as Secretary of the Department of Veterans Affairs, we have done nothing more than be fully transparent as we should to all of our various stakeholders, most importantly to our veterans, their families, their caregivers, and our survivors. And that transparency has, again, resulted in us being able to build a VA, both on the healthcare side of the house and the benefit side of the house, that fits in the lives of our veterans. And no longer do our veterans fit into our system. So again, I think that we are making strides By no means have we arrived and gotten to where we need to be, but each and every day as we continue to work alongside our wonderful men and women who serve in our clinics across the country, our hospitals across the country, and our directors in our benefits offices, uh, you know, we are, we are, you know, it's our, our privilege to serve these men and women who have served us so well, and we're going to do everything we can to deliver on that promise that President Biden has for us. To, to deliver for our veterans, and that's to ensure that we provide them timely and expert access to world-class care, care and benefits. Again, here on the American Veterans Show, talking with Terrence Hayes. He's a new friend of the program. He is the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Uh, one other question on the PACT Act, and then I want to take a quick mm-hmm. time out, and then we'll be with you uh, in another segment here on the program. If there is a veteran listening to you right now that hears your words and says, you know what, all right, Terrence sounds like a straight straight shooter. I'm gonna take I'm gonna take him up on his um, advice to give us another shot. 
and they have been exposed to, say, toxic yes. burn pits, et cetera. It, I, it's complicated, I know, but what should they do first if they're hearing your words right now? Yes, yeah, Stefan, uh, I'm begging them. I'm, it's not me asking. I'm begging yeah. any veteran, any survivor who has lost a loved one to visit va.gov slash pact. And on that website, there are 23 brand new presumptive conditions. And a presumptive condition means that we assume that if you have any of these 23 conditions, that you received it because of your service to our nation. And what that does is now it simplifies the process for our veterans, where in the past they had to produce evidence, which is unfortunate and not the case with these 23 presumptives, because now the evidence is out of the veterans' hands. It's in our hands now. Because, again, we presume that if you've received or you're diagnosed with asthma, rhinitis, cyanitis, any of those rare cancers on that uh, website, that it was because of your time and service. And guess what? Now we can expedite the process to get you the benefits and the care that you have earned and rightfully need right now. So, again, I'm, I'm begging our veterans to take advantage of this new law that the president signed August 10th to get you the benefits in a timely manner. And the one thing I really want folks to take away from this is that if you apply for any benefits within the first year of the signing of the PACT Act, your benefits will be retroactive to when President Biden signed this into law. So if you file your claim today, it will be retroactive to August 10th of 2022, and we'll ensure that we back pay you those monies and those benefits that you rightly deserve. Our guest is Terrence Hayes, the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs, joining us from our nation's capital. We'll be back with more with the press secretary coming up next. This is the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. Welcome back to the American Veteran Show. We continue now with Stephan Tubbs. We continue this week's edition with a very special guest, and uh, I'm telling you, I'll shame and guilt him right here on the program. He better join us again down the road. His name is Terrence Hayes, a friend of the program already. He is the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs, and we continue our conversation. Mr. Hayes joining us from our nation's capital. You know, we talked a lot in our last segment about the PACT Act, and I love... I mean, it's sad that, you know, you would have to use the words, hey, I'm begging you out there, veterans, but I'm so glad you did because sometimes, and I love them, God knows I've dedicated so much of my life to veteran issues and our active duty military, but sometimes those of you that have served, Terrence, y'all need a swift kick in the behind, and I hope that those words that you told us last segment, I really hope people hear it. Stephen, you're absolutely right. Uh, I'm a... uh I'm I'm one of those individuals you're you're chatting about. My first 15 years in the Army, uh, I had this mindset that going to the dock uh, may be seen as a sign of weakness or preventing me from or or taking me out of the game, so to speak. And uh, boy, could I have been more wrong. Uh, I needed to ensure that I got well or got taken care of or rehabbed or in my last five years, I learned that, you know, I wasn't getting any younger. I definitely was getting (laughs) older. So Again, it's all about encouraging folks to take that step to understand that these are benefits that's going to benefit you or potentially benefit your family down the road. So, again, I'm I'm begging all of my battle buddies, my my fellow servicemen and women who served alongside me to look into what's available to you 
visit that website at va.gov slash pact to ensure that you're not leaving any benefits on the table. Stefan, we've received since August 10th, since the president signed this bill into law, we've received 165,000 or more wow. PACT Act related claims. And, you know, to the average individual, that seems like a lot. But based on our analysis, PACT Act could have pro- uh, potentially impacted 3.5 million service members. Mm. So in theory, 3.5 million compared to only 165,000 claims and receipt is a very tiny number. We know that we need to do a better job at educating and informing our veteran population. And, and thankfully, I'm, I'm able to join your show in order to do just that. I want to ask you something, and this is truly, truly a question, because I think everybody that especially... Boy, if you watch TV or or listen to the radio or you're on the Internet at all, you know what we hear a lot of? And I bet you you know exactly what I'm talking about. It's all about this. <laughs> Camp Lejeune, Camp Lejeune, yeah. Camp Lejeune. Yeah. What yeah. What is up with that? Because I know that that is dealing with some, what, water issues? Correct. Yeah, there's a, a lot of ads uh, across the airwaves as of right now. What we can tell you is this, is that the Camp Lejeune lawsuits are totally separate from any VA benefits gotcha. that veterans may be able to receive. Okay. Second, uh, the lawsuit uh, with Camp Lejeune, that's, uh, that lawsuit is not with VA. That lawsuit is with uh, the Department of Defense. And, you know, DOJ, the Department of Justice, is kind of working that situation. Gotcha. Okay. So VA, we can't, you know, tell veterans what to do. We just want them to ensure that they are aware that their benefits will not be taken from them. If they, you know, by chance, you want to go that legal route Mm -hmm. to seek any compensation because it's two separate and two separate things and and two separate entities. We still want if folks receive any ailments because of their time at Camp Lejeune, they still need to file their claim. They Mm -hmm. still need to seek VA health care if they so choose. And it sounds like there you, you don't have to, if you're a veteran, you have Camp Lejeune potential litigation ahead of you. You're not going to, quote unquote, suffer repercussions if you take that step. That's a that's a real good message. I think. Exactly. Exactly. From a VA standpoint, please file your claim. And the one real major takeaway I want you to have here is that when you are filing your claim, you do not have to go pay anybody, pay a lawyer or anybody to file your claim, you can easily visit us at va.gov free of charge. Number two, you can visit a veteran service organization who has service officers readily available to assist you free of charge who are accredited by VA to provide you this work. Again, I encourage you to start at va.gov to find out more information. Just a few more minutes with our guest from Washington, D.C., Terrence Hayes, the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs. And friends, as we have this conversation, Mr. Hayes has no idea what questions I'm going to ask him, and he has no idea the next question. Why do you think the veteran suicide rate is still so high? Yeah, that's a that's a that's a big question, Stefan. Um, and it's one that we are continuing to really do our homework on and wrestle with ourselves. Um, Over the past two years, we have seen a decline in veteran suicide. And while that decline shows progress, and it does show that veteran suicide can be preventable, um, until we get to zero, uh, it's... One's too many. We we can't stop until we get to zero, brother. So, um, again, it's, it's disheartening that we're losing 
sisters and brothers to suicide. But we're going to continue to work with our local partners across the country to really get after this issue. Because, again, these men and women went into harm's way, protecting and defending our country. And the last thing we need to see is to have them come home to this wonderful country and unfortunately die by suicide. So, again, uh, to any of your listeners out there right now who may be facing crisis or who know someone who's facing a crisis, uh, my immediate ask of them is to dial 988, press the number one for veterans. Immediately within seconds, you will talk to a live individual, a live VA professional who can provide you with the resources readily available to help you in whatever crisis you have right now. So again, please dial 988, press one, share that with your friends. Um, We're here to help you. One other question on that, because, um, well, I got to tell you, within the last two months, a veteran friend that I knew um, went to a retreat because um, he was suicidal and on the brink and was basically playing Russian roulette, not literally, um, and everything was great. And um, we had the retreat last year, and I just found out within the last couple of months that sadly he took his own life. And Terrence, he is the sixth, sixth United States veteran that I know personally or knew that took um, took his own life. And I don't want to get too personal with you, but look, being in it, what is your number? You know, first and foremost, uh, whether I know that gentleman or not, um, I know him. Yeah. We we serve together. We're, we're brothers at arms. And to hear that saddens me. Yeah. Uh, but I, too, know a few individuals who unfortunately died by suicide. And again, it, it, it every time I think about it, it just it just hurts because uh, these men and women volunteered to serve this country, put their lives on the line, knowing that did a great job. Yep came back home and unfortunately faced crisis and ultimately died. And uh, again, that's why we are fully committed to this problem and we got to get this right. And this is a collective problem that we're going to have to work with our local partners or local governments, uh, veterans helping other veterans. And again, you know, besides just a 988 hotline, if there's veterans out there, families out there, of veterans who are facing any crisis. We have vet centers across the country in retail areas, uh, probably locally right there in Denver mm-hmm. that, uh, that you can reach out to. And these vet centers are run by veterans. They have social workers on deck. They have psychiatrists on deck to provide you the assistance you need. If you're scared to walk into one of those facilities because you may have a job that you don't want to find out that you're facing these issues, guess what? Right. These vet centers have protocol that they cannot, by law, provide any information outside of those four walls. So again, anybody who may be facing that crisis or know of anybody facing that crisis, please look into your local vet center. Those individuals there are available around the clock to provide you the assistance that you require. Love the information. Again, you can find out so much of what we've talked about the last couple of segments on the program, VA.com. Gov. I want to end, and we only got about 30 seconds left, but I want to end uh, on a smile, and that is, first of all, how in the world haven't we had you on the program before, and when the heck are you coming to Denver? Stefan, first of all, uh, I can get on the program anytime you need me, brother. <laughs> That's my promise to you. Thank you. And uh, in Denver, I, I love um, only when they don't play my my football team, which is the Jacksonville Jaguars, and you guys beat us in London. 
I'm still upset about that. So Listen, they're maybe not a minute get, before I go to Denver. They ain't going to get too many more wins, brother. They're not. So sorry about Jacksonville, but uh, go Jags, go. Uh, Terrence Hayes is the press secretary for the Department of Veterans Affairs. Thank you immensely and look forward to having you on again. Thank you again, Stefan, and uh, I appreciate everything you do. Happy holidays to you and your family. Happy holidays to you. We'll be back to wrap up the show next on the American Veteran Show, AmericanVeteranShow.com. This is the American Veteran Show, online at AmericanVeteranShow.com. History in every century records an act that lives forevermore. We'll recall, as into line we fall, the thing that happened on Hawaii shore. Let's remember Pearl Harbor. As we go to meet the foe. Let's remember. We wrap up this week's edition of the American Veteran Show with remembering Pearl Harbor, the 81st anniversary of the Japanese attack coming up this week. Hope you take time out and remember, remember, pre-9-11, this was the event for generations. A man who most certainly remembered Pearl Harbor, and he had, I guess you could say, a vested interest. A man, a hero, an American who received the Medal of Honor for his incredible bravery and service in the Korean War. We began our program today, and we will end it by remembering Hiroshi Hershey Miyamura, the second-to-last surviving Medal of Honor recipient. At 98, he passed last week his story absolutely tremendous my name is hiroshi h miyamura i was born in gallup new mexico in october 6 1925 i uh, re-enlisted in june of 49 and uh, the war started in korea in 5th june 50 a year later and then i was told to a report to Company H, 3rd Division, 7th Regiment, 2nd Battalion, 3rd Division. And they were training up on the mountain near uh, Beppu. And uh, that's when I first, when I got up there, I met my buddy Joe Anello. And uh, we, we became very good friends. But that's when I joined the 3rd Division. You know, that was a new experience for me because during my term in uh, World War II, I was with a segregated unit, all nothing but Japanese-American young men, whereas now I was in a segregated, non-segregated unit. So, But it was easy for me to get to uh, know people because I... that. I had uh, no ex- experience. I, I had experience just trying to uh, get along with my fellow American, where a lot of these other boys never left California, and they grew up only with mainly with their own nationality. So they didn't get to mingle too much with the other fellow Americans. My uh, military service number listed me as a machine gunner. And that's definitely what they needed was machine gunner. 
most of the time we were farmed out to other rifle companies because they had no heavy automatic weapons. All they had was their M1 or, you know, rifle that dished to them. So they needed extra firing power. And eventually they came up with uh, uh, a different weapon that was more actually better because it would uh, less jam problems with them. And they got along better with uh, a man using one of those weapons instead of heavy weapon. Uh, heavy weapons required uh, 12 men because you needed four to fire the weapons plus carry the ammunition. So that was quite a job when you're going up mountains carrying ammunition or the the uh, pieces of the machine gun that you're going to fire. But we were mainly farmed out to rifle company. It's really um, more than I ever thought it would be. But I... Uh, that's the Lord to help me, to guide me before I went into my first combat area. And you know, uh, there was a calm after that. I never felt afraid after that. And I just uh, did what I felt I uh, was told to do. Well, I always did what I was told to do, but I felt I've always had someone protecting me. I used to hear bullets whizzing by me. I didn't know they were bullets because they were cracking so close to my ear. And just one slight movement, and I wouldn't be here today. So things like that. But I never worried about that after asking for help. And that, I believe, is what kept me alive all through my career, and it still helped today. That's why I'm still here today. We were being overwhelmed with the enemy, fighting the enemy. And I eventually had to make a decision, being a squad leader, and I, and I was hesitant because the uh, my superiors never told me I had to hold this position at any cost or anything. In fact, I never saw them for the time after the time they told me to put my guns up in the, this particular area. And anyway, I had to make that decision. So I said, I can't see them getting killed over this position here what I wasn't even told anything about or so I said okay to, I told them to leave and head back toward the company area and uh, when they were all gone I, I ran into some opposition but uh, what really uh, got my attention was our own water section was dropping white phosphorus bombs on my position so that told me I had to get off of there and start, I start making my way down. And, and the biggest uh, person I ever saw in my life, I, 
ran into, and we met face to face. This, and I recognized him because of his helmet, uh, uh, cotton helmet, or whatever you call it, headgear. And at the same instant, I stuck him with a bayonet and shot him. And as I pulled back my uh, bayonet, I didn't know he had a grenade in his hand. And he dropped it or threw it at me or something, and he hit my leg. <laughs> and I just kicked it, and it went off. And I didn't know I got a piece in my leg, but I got up, called out of that dugout, and made my way down. And here's a part that a lot of people don't understand how I got captured. And that was something I never felt I would ever become a, a prisoner of war, but it happened. Rest in peace, sir. It was such an honor to actually be able to shake your hand and look you in the eye and tell you thank you. And how many times you were thanked? Not enough. Hiroshi Hershey Miyamura, Korean War Medal of Honor recipient. That wraps up this week's program. We remember Pearl Harbor. We remember Hiroshi Miyamura. We remember what happened at Sand Creek this last week, the 158th anniversary of the Sand Creek Massacre. And we remember you, veterans, you active duty, and your families as we're into the month of thanks and giving and the holiday season. Thank you for giving us the time and those of you who follow us later via our website. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode and perhaps more on Pearl Harbor. For our producer, Michael Arpaio, I'm Stefan Tubbs. Have a terrific week ahead. Stay safe and healthy and remember our troops. The American Veteran Show is a copyrighted production of Mountain Time Media Group, LLC. All rights reserved. For more information, visit AmericanVeteranShow.com. Join us next week for another edition of The American Veteran Show. Searching for last-minute gifts? Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC and save 20% on select 750-milliliter bottles. That's 20% off gifts for the hard to shop for, 20% off gifts guaranteed to fit, 20% off gifts to celebrate the season, and 20% off a little gift for yourself. Shop the last-minute deal sale at Virginia ABC, in stores and online, now through December 21st. Please sip responsibly.